November of 2022 marks 10 years of Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, a film that, by any metric, probably shouldn't even exist, let alone be as great as it is, let alone be an action masterpiece, let alone be my pick for the best action film of the last decade. Because when you think back to Universal Soldier, you likely think of it as a lower-rent Terminator riff starring two guys that, while being titans for their time, weren't exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger level, and Universal Soldier was never going to be seen as a 90s action classic. So the idea that it's continued on as a franchise is something that maybe not a lot of people know about. You know, people who listen to this podcast probably know about it, you know, were entrenched in cult movies and B-movies and things like that. But the idea that there's a fourth Universal Soldier movie and that it's, you know, this word gets thrown around way too much, but that it's Lynchian, that it's surreal, that there's aspects of Gaspar Noé in it. it. It almost sounds absurd, but that's exactly what Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning is. At the time, it was a little bit divisive when it came out. It, it, it didn't resonate well with fans of the series and action fans in general. There, there was, there's such a surreal quality to it that it's, it's hard to get your head around it first. And so when it premiered at Fantastic Fest, kind of left a strange imprint. There were people out there, you know, that really despised it. There were a few pieces that went around from websites who, you know, we don't need to name, but but almost tanked its release in many ways. So it was shunted off to the DTV world, and you started to hear rumors and, well, not rumors, <laughs> rumblings, rather. Hey, there's this movie out here. It's the fourth Universal Soldier movie. You have to see it. Fans of art house cinema, in particular, were really championing this movie. You know, some, to the point where just this past week, it, it had its first <laughs> screening in England as a retrospective screening with an introduction by Scott Adkins, the star himself. It, it's a pretty wonderful thing to see. It's exciting, but what makes the film so special? I could sit here and talk about it forever. I've written about it at length in other publications. But I thought the only people that could really get to the kernel of why this film is so special, why the fourth entry in, you know, a not totally well-remembered series is as great as it is. You know, what what's resonated about it? So I thought the only people that could really get to that were the people involved. So I reached out to star Scott Adkins, and I reached out to director John Hyams, and I wanted to just talk to them, you know, about how this film came about, what their process was, and what their thoughts were going into it versus the reception that it's gotten over the last 10 years, and how it's come to be considered this landmark film, not only in DTV action, but in action in general. So in this first bonus episode, you're going to hear me talk to the star, Scott Adkins, a guy who has kind of become a DTV legend over the years, but we just don't make those kind of movies anymore on a large scale, so he's in the trenches of DTV and has been since the early 2000s. His involvement in this movie is interesting because it almost feels like a passing of the torch in many ways. The film feels like it's Jean-Claude Van Damme relinquishing after so many years his need to be the face of action, be it theatrical DTV, which he's kind of became the face of for a while, 
in giving it over to this younger, quicker, faster, and frankly better, in my opinion, action star. So Scott and I go into that as a passing of the torch. We go into how he became involved, and we go into the fact that he hid an injury from the production team for weeks because he didn't want to lose this part because he knew it was something special. But yeah, it's a fun conversation. He's one of my favorite actors. It was an honor to talk to him. And I really hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, there we go. So uh, so yeah, the, the main reason I wanted to uh, talk to you, and I'm going to be talking to John Himes tomorrow, is uh, is this, this today's actually uh, the 10th anniversary of uh, Day of Reckoning, which has kind of taken on a pretty insane life you know over the last 10 years with uh you know fans of action and you know (laughs) i guess snobbier film fans too who kind of dismiss action kind of gravitated towards this movie um yeah and and it's it's been really fun to watch because i i remember it was it had a pretty mixed reputation when it came out but over the years it's really grown into something a lot of people consider kind of a masterpiece and you know it's something you know a lot of us action fans knew at the time but it's been kind of fun to watch its reputation grow in the wider film industry and film writing industry and I was just wondering you know I guess first off you know your thoughts on the last or your thoughts on its reputation and how it's grown and over the last 10 years and you know what what you make of that well yeah look it's still one of the my favorite films that I've done uh, one of you know, right at the top there is probably the most critically acclaimed film that I've done. Maybe that and, and Avengement were received the best by the, the critics. Um, I was aware that some the critics really enjoyed it at the time when it came out, and, and I'm talking about mainstream critics as well. And then the core action fan base, like fans, I think there were a lot of people that, that didn't get it, they just kind of didn't want to use their brains much and some of them didn't really understand the plot. And I think that they were not expecting it to be such a heady film. And of course, well, probably you wouldn't do because, you know, if, if the first film's anything to go by, which was just a, a Hollywood action blockbuster, a good one, but it was certainly, you know, a sort of popcorn entertainment film. John certainly took this one in a different direction. And so I think at the time we were really happy that we were getting some great reviews from, um, you know, critics that people looked up to, but the, the fans kind of didn't get it. And I think they've come around to it, some of them, and some of them maybe not. I think you need to put the spliff down on on, the, on this film, concentrate <laughs> a bit more on the plot, and not just wait for the action to kick in. <laughs> no, I I totally agree with that because I remember even at the time uh, it didn't get. A theatrical release here where I, I live in pittsburgh uh pennsylvania um so it didn't we didn't get it here but i remember just hearing buzz about it and I, and I remember seeing people writing about it saying it was almost you know like a david lynch movie and i was like what what could this be because i remember seeing regeneration and i liked that a lot and i thought that that was still it, it's i would say that's more of a traditional action movie than day of reckoning but it still kind of has a somewhat of an experimental sensibility, but I, I couldn't, you know, really process what I was hearing about this one. But I think you're absolutely right that this this requires more than just, you know, going into it with like action expectations. Um 
so I, how, how did this come to you? Because I, I know that, you know, you had already done undisputed two and three by this point you had done Ninja. So like you were, you were pretty well established in the action world for a while then, but you know, how, how were you approached for this by, by John Hyams or did he always have you in mind? I'll tell you how it went. Um, so yeah, Boyka had come out for me and I'd done the third one at this point and that was causing a bit of a stir, but I hadn't really done anything that had broken me away from Boyka of, of any note. And so actually John had a part for me in regeneration. And I think it was going to be the part played by Mike Pyle. And I can't exactly remember the reason why I didn't do it in the end, but I didn't do it. And I remember watching regeneration and being absolutely blown away by it. I thought it was a brilliant film. I loved the stripped down nature of it. I loved how it was like sort of minimal plot, and it really showed these universal soldiers in, in a really raw animalistic way and it, it was almost like it felt like black hawk down which is just the telling of an episode uh with the military and this felt like that it was the telling of an episode with these unisols and following them around and, and just seeing how they uh existed in this world I, I loved it and so i was a bit gutted and then i heard he was doing this one and that he needed a lead who needed to have martial arts ability or fight ability but he wanted a very strong actor. And I think John was on the fence for quite a while. He was aware of me, but he wasn't sure because, you know, it's a difficult thing. On the one hand, you want someone that can deliver with the action. And then on the other hand, you need to deliver all these uh, other beats as well as an actor, a dramatic actor, the emotion, the intelligence of, of playing this, this, this character that is basically a baby when you first meet him. And he grows into becoming this this killing machine. Um, and there was lots of different la layers to the character. It was a really interesting part to play. But anyway, yeah, he he was he, he didn't make his mind up for quite some time. And it was a I, did I read for it? I don't think it did read for it. But eventually, he settled on me. And um, I'm so happy for the opportunity. It was a great experience working with John Hyam. So I consider him to be an incredible director, a true auteur, someone with a singular vision. Um, and I've I've liked every film that he's done, and I can't wait to see his new one. Sick, um, but yeah, that's how it came about. It was uh, I was very very happy when I got it, and I I injured my knee, so actually him giving me the part because I had those physical abilities, I <laughs> I tore my ACL six weeks before turning up in Baton Rouge, oh, and wow. I didn't tell anyone because I figured this was a big reason. My athletic ability was a big reason why I was given this role. And so I made sure that I was boots on the ground before I let anyone know what was going on. <laughs> that uh, That's uh, <laughs> that's the smart way to do it because, I mean, this is like what, just such an – it's a lot of work, you know, on your end went into this film. And, uh, you know, I want to get back to Himes in a minute, but you mentioned, you know, being boots on the ground and everything. I know based on interviews that I've read with with you or just, you know – over the last few years, uh, you talking to Mike Scott on his podcast, I know that you, you're you're very hands on with your own action, and I know that as your career's gone along, that's become something that you know you're. You, it's very important to you that you know even if you don't think the movies all, always turn out as well as you'd like them to, you kind of pride yourself on like being as in to the as deep into the action as you can be. So 
working with mm. someone like uh, uh, Larnell uh, Stovall, uh, w- what was that like? Because he he was a well-established stunt and fight guy by that point. So were you able to was was that was that able to be a collaborative experience for you, or did you kind of have to you know just go? Was how how was choreographing all of that with him? Yeah, well, he did all the choreography. I mean, obviously, I put some ideas in in some places, but I'm very happy for Larnell to to choreograph it, and I and I just implement that choreography because he's very good at it. You know, I, there's there's nothing for me to say against that. Uh, when we did Undisputed Three, Larnell choreographed it, but Isaac Florentine directs all the action in those films. He chooses the angles, and so this was the first time working with Larnell um, choosing where the camera might go but it was very collaborative with john hyams and the camera operator on that he was very good i can't remember his name and we had um yaron was it levy you can find out his name the dp yeah put that yeah. in so i'm not disrespectful to him but he was really great but john understands how to shoot the action as well and he edited it he edited the film so you right. can see yeah. that he knows what he's doing but we also we were we were forced upon us was this 3d Thing which people forget about and that was a selling point of the movie and so we had this massive camera rig that was really heavy with the two lenses you know one point up one point down with the mirror and then um um we're having to get closer with the the punches because we were told that because it was 3d you could see the depth a bit more so we had to be closer to each other's faces <laughs> which is a bit nerve-wracking <laughs> with andre olovsky but yeah, it was pretty full on. Um, but Larnell's fantastic. And I have to say that that sporting goods store fight is still probably one of the best fights that I've ever done. And I've oh, done a lot. Sure. And I've worked exceedingly hard. But that is still up there as, as one of the best. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually just uh, tweeted about that today. because I posted that fight uh, because I, I think, you know, you realistically i think you have over a dozen fights that i could probably call my favorite of yours but that's one that i always come back to and you know it just it, it, it it's so creative how you know the baseball bats are it, you almost have a sword fight with baseball bats which i'm not sure i've ever seen in a movie before and um just you know the, the intensity of that fight i think i think the movie the way the movie kicks off you know with your family being killed right in front of you and you know, it's just, it's such a hyper-violent opening. You you kind of are thrown right into the deep end. So you, you're you given an idea of what to expect. But I think that sporting goods fight kind of takes it into a next level where you're just like, oh, this is the kind of movie this is. It's just that action is so brutal. I mean, there, well, it's, there's... it's shocking. Isn't it? I mean, yeah, take, take yeah. yourself back to time watching that film and, and Van Damme takes his balaclava off and he's got the bald head and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And then he executes my family. That's the first <laughs> five minutes. I mean, any, people that are a fan of the franchise are like, it completely just throws you for a loop. And I think a lot of people probably switched their brains off right there and then like, no, I'm not having my hero Van Damme do this. What's what, what's going on? But of course, if you follow the plot, you'll see that it's uh, implanted memories and everything and that he, he didn't do that. But I think some people didn't even understand that. So... You know, you've got to pay attention. But yeah, he throws you in at the deep end and, and that opening is, it's shocking. It's 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 as much a horror film as it is uh, an action film. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it, it, I, I think that that's something that, 
I really appreciate about it. And I know you've done just as like a quick aside, I know you've done a few horror films here and there and your day shift just this year, uh, you know, that, that was a big one, but is that, is that something that you enjoy doing, uh, horror? Is that something that would you like to do? I, I know you've done a few full on horror movies. Um, but is that something that you'd like yeah. to go back to at some point? I'm actually trying to, um, get this, um, action horror film idea that I've had for a while off the ground. So yes, it's not that fun to film because, you know, you're covered in blood and things like that. <laughs> I mean, the Universal Soldier, Dave Reckon, that was an extremely uncomfortable film for me because for a lot of it, I'm completely covered head to toe in sticky blood, which looks cool, but it's not that great when you sit down to get a bit of lunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When when you see screenshots from that movie, at one point, your tank top's completely red. And if you haven't seen the movie, you would just assume you're wearing a red tank top because it just, it's so yeah. true. It's, it's wild. But so, so, I learned um, a lot from John Hyams. I, I learned a lot, man. Um, I learned he, he, he's such a precise director. With the action sequences, he was very careful to put a lot of destruction in, in these fight scenes. Um, and, and he would strip the sound design down and, and just use the calamity of the pots and pans crashing and you know the noises of being kicked through doors and you know punctuate he didn't want to put too much music over the top to take away from the 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 sort of percussion of of the fight scene but he, he uses a lot of destruction in the fights to really make it a lot of cause and effect uh and that always stuck with me and oh definitely yeah. uh, it's it's kind of of a piece with um that same year was the raid and i think that particular brand of action wasn't really common in the u.s i don't think at that time where you know just that blunt force you know you're hearing the thuds you know like these sickly meaty thuds of people getting hit and i think that you know that's become pretty prominent in indonesian action with stuff like uh you know the kind of stuff that timo does over there um yeah and you know uh the raid movies but we we hadn't seen anything really like that with you know you u.s action and so you're right it's just it's it's important, you know, to kind of just let the sound effects speak for themselves and not put a heavy score over it. Um, you talked about learning a lot from John. Uh, something I've noticed with with you, uh, you know, again, just your interviews, um, you, you you seem to have a, uh, a deep interest in the filmmaking process. You know, you don't just show up and, you know, act your part. You're, you're very hands-on, you know, with the behind-the-scenes process from what I can tell. And, you know, you've done writing with, you know, Accident Man 2 just came out. Uh, and that was great, by the way. Uh, and yeah. and so, is, is directing something you'd like to take on at some point? And and if so, is you know what kind yeah. of things did you learn from John that might influence that decision? Yeah, I definitely want to direct. I've been putting it off for too long, to be honest. I just need to find that right um, project. But um, yeah, you pick things up from everyone along the way that you work with. And it's as an actor, you, you get to work with so many different directors with different styles, and you can pick different things up along the way. But I certainly learned a hell of a lot from John. I mean, yeah, as we're saying about how he uses the environment in, in fights, how he builds the tension in, in a scene. Um, I love that scene in Universal Soldier where I turn up at the apartment in the middle of the movie and I'm looking for this guy. And then as we walk through this apartment, we start to see blood 
and then you get closer. <laughs> there's, there's blood <laughs> everywhere. I've got to tell you, we they rented out this apartment in Baton Rouge, and they put blood everywhere. And I don't think the person that owned the apartment realized exactly what was going to go on. And and the further along in the day that we did the scene, the camera operator's feet started sticking to the, the carpet, which oh was covered God. in blood. <laughs> He's actually ripping up pieces of the carpet the, the further along in the day. She was not happy when she saw the stick <laughs> at the end. But that scene, you know, the way he builds the tension there and the, and the dread and the horror and, yeah, just um, very particular about, He's a daring director, isn't he? Oh, he, for sure. He, he'll go, like, to number 11. You know what I mean? He'll yeah. <laughs> The strobing effect and the violence, the fact that there's a guy, full frontal male nudity at one point, this guy with his dingling out getting shot. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't care, does he? He'll no. Go all the way. He's a bold <laughs> director, and I really appreciate that about John, that he's so bold and unafraid to do something that might piss people off, but he does it anyway because he wants to do it. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you, you see that carried through in, in his work. I haven't seen Sick yet, but Alone is like, you know, you think it's this cat and yeah. mouse thriller and then the last 10 minutes are just right. unbelievably violent. It's it's wild. Yeah. Um, and, and I love you, that. Well, you, you work, you know, you seem to have a few guys that you like to consistently work with. You mentioned Isaac Florentine. There's Jesse Johnson. Um, is is I'm assuming John Hyams is someone that you'd like to circle back to eventually when the project's right. Oh, God, I'd, dro I'd drop everything to go and work with John again, but the opportunity hasn't happened. Uh, he's off doing, you know, what he's doing. But, yeah, if he ever gives me a call, I'll be there. Well, and uh, speaking with, you know, working with people, this was, I think, up, up to this point, you're – fourth time working with john claude van damme um i don't know i don't know when I, I i think expendables 2 was the same year yeah that was the third time and expendables was shot the same year but after okay so so this was the third time then uh and then i don't think you've worked with him since but what what's he like you know i know he has a bit of a reputation and everything but i mean that that, that has to be you know kind of kind of uh surreal you know because he's for a lot of people, you know, an icon and just, you know, what's that like working with him and especially on something like this, which was so different from the, the kind yeah. of things you'd done before, like the shepherd. Well, I don't know what Van Damme would think about this or if he'd agree or, or if he even paid it some attention. I think probably he wouldn't agree, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it did feel a little bit like the passing of a torch, if you like, because I'm coming into his franchise, it's Universal Soldier, it's his movie, and I'm playing the lead character. And I'm even going as far as to kill him at the end. <laughs> and at the time, that was a big thing because he'd only died on film, I think, uh, I think I, don't, I can't remember if he dies in Black Eagle or not. I can't remember anyway. either, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very rare, though, that he dies on screen. Very rare. And obviously, he died in the first Universal Soldier, but came yeah. back to life. Um, but it was a bit of a thing to be the be the guy to kill him. You know, th there was a bit of a negotiation process because, you know, they talk about it once upon a time in uh, Hollywood, don't they? The whole yeah. thing about stars <laughs> getting killed. And if Tarantino's talking about it, it must be a thing. I've always oh, yeah. brushed it off as people having two big egos. But I guess it is a thing because sometimes I get messages from fans in India or Eastern Europe or wherever 
telling me that I, I shouldn't be killed in, in a movie. <laughs> so, well, I'm just an actor. But the public, <laughs> they don't like to see their heroes get killed. So there is something to it. So me yeah. taking Van Damme down in this movie was was quite a moment. And uh, for me, you know, look, I was 16 years old when I went to watch Universal Soldier at the cinema. It was the first 18 certificate that I ever got into. And I wasn't going to miss that one with him and Dolph. And, you know, to be there as a 16-year-old kid watching that film, you know, if somebody said, oh, you, by the way, you're going to star in the fourth one of these with Van Damme and Dolph, I obviously would have thought, are you talking shit? So, you know, <laughs> it was a big thing for me to be with Van Damme and Dolph in their franchise. And I, I just tried to do my best job. And, um, yeah, look, it's not fair on Van Damme because I've always been a massive fan. And I can't really treat him like a normal person because he means more to me than that. And so it's always going to be strange for him, I think. Oh, I can imagine uh, for, for you, you know, like you said, seeing seeing that as a teen and, you know, just being such a big fan of him, that had to have been surreal. You know, you've worked with him a few times here and there, but to actually be the one who takes down Luke Devereaux is just, that that's had to have been a surreal experience. and. You know, it, it's just funny that you bring up, you know, uh, how, you know, it might give people the wrong perception of you if you're willing to die on screen. And you're so selfless as a performer, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, these guys like, you know, and, and who knows how true this kind of stuff is. But you read, you know, about like The Rock and Vin Diesel having clauses in their contract that you can't, that they can't lose a fight and everything like that. And it's just, it always yeah. seems so silly to me because it, I, I think there's just, I, I think it shows your selflessness as a performer to be able to put the other guy over, so to speak. And I think getting to do that with someone like Van Damme is pretty wild. And on that same token, you know, as far as I'm aware, this is the only time you've acted against yourself too, with that scene, me meeting the other John and. Oh yeah. God, that yeah. was an experience. Yeah. God, yeah. What, what, what's yeah. that like you know what, was there someone standing in for you during that or are you talking you know to nothing back and forth you know that has to be a hard thing to balance yeah so we we did it over the course of two days and on the first day i played the the clone the bad one yeah because he was driving the scene and he had the majority of the dialogue and so obviously we, we did some split screen stuff Oh, did we do that? So that, yeah, some of that would have been done on the same day because you'd lock the camera off. I'd play the other part and then I'd come back in and I'd do the other part of the scene. But what, what we did is we recorded the, the bad clone first and then we would play back the audio. And so then I was able to act to, to my own voice. Um, but the other character, the, the real John, he didn't have that much to say in the scene anyway. He was driven more by the other guy, so it wasn't that difficult. But yeah, what a crazy experience i was actually able to have a few days off and i went down to pensacola uh had a little bit of a break my hair grew out just a tiny bit grew the stubble and came back in and we shot him first and then the next day i was able to get a haircut and a shave and that's why we were able to look quite different and that that's that had to have been 
I mean, I don't know if this was on your mind at the time, but you know, you talk about the passing of the torch. Uh, something Jean Claude Van Damme did a few times was acting against himself. So that had to somewhere unconsciously be a little fulfilling. That you know, you know what? Yeah. After all this time, I've never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I did the thing. Well, and then the, the other, you know, big icon in this movie is Dolph, and you know he is one of my all-time favorite guys, you know, from Showdown in Little Tokyo, you know, to Red Scorpion. I just, I love the guy. And, and you know, he's someone that you circle back to a lot, it seems, you know, and you were just in Castle Falls, which he directed. Uh, wh what's he like, you know, because he seems, I, I know that, you know, I, I don't know where I heard this, but I know he has script approval over the Universal Soldier movies. Um, but, you know, yeah. but what what's he like? He seems, you know, kind of, kind of like a down-to-earth kind of guy almost and you know I just what, what's he like compared to John claude Van Damme and you know how you know how's he because you got to you know kill both of them <laughs> yeah well Dolph doesn't mind a good death scene he's like me he appreciates a good death <laughs> finds it funny it's enjoyable um Dolph is very down-to-earth um I would say that I am closer to Dolph than I am to Van Damme I mean look I've got Dolph's number I could give him a ring you know we're friends <laughs> Whereas I don't have that relationship with Jean-Claude. You know, I'm not supposed to be. It's, it's absolutely fine. Um, but, I, I mean, at the time, it was the same with both of them. I didn't know them that well. But over the years, I've got to know Dolph better. But then again, that was my third film with Van Damme. I still didn't feel like I was that, that close to him. So, yeah, I, I'm a bit closer to Dolph. Um, and it's always a blast working with him. We get on well, you know, we have a good, he, he's a good time. He's a good, he's good fun. And we have a good laugh. Oh, it, he, he certainly seems like it. And, and I'm sure, you know, it, it, that makes it easier to be directed by him, you know, cause he, he he's not, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of a domineering guy, <laughs> but, um, well, it, he is a domineering guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, so you you said you know you you were injured making this movie. How did that play into the the stunts and fights? Because I I know you know not to jump over what you're about to say, but just you know hearing you talk to Mike Scott on his podcast, I know that you said that um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I listened to that, but I know that he you did mention that the kick that you kind of invented in previous movies you weren't able to do in this one. But other than that, it seems like most of this is you. So, I mean, how how much did how much did your injury actually affect being able to perform in this movie? Yeah, well, it was a really bad injury. I, I tore my ACL, and it was six weeks after that. So, you know, anyone that's done that knows that it's it's really not good. You lose, you can't kick off that leg. So, the one kick that I do in the sporting goods store that I was known for, I think I was the first person to do it. You, you kick off the guy's chest and then you do like a flash kick, kick the guy in the face and you do a somersault land on your feet. But I just couldn't, I tried to do it. I couldn't do it because I couldn't, I couldn't push off the chest. I, I'd lost all the strength in my leg. Um, so I had a stuntman there who was a good martial artist and he actually did that kick for me. And then we came over Andre's shoulder. So you're on my face. And I said, well, I, I said to Andre, let's do the Bruce Lee kick where you grab my leg and you can help, like, give me a boost and I'll do the flash kick and we'll just get the landing. Um, and Andre being Andre, he tried to put me through the ceiling 
and over rotated and, and landed on the wrong leg um and then smashed my knee to pieces made it even worse oh wow oh, <laughs> yeah man. really really difficult film for me to make and then at one point my back went i was in a right mess but we were going to make the fights much more high flying and flashy and then when i got there and i got larnell over to the side and i was like listen mate don't tell anyone yet but i've 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 done my knee and i'm in a bad way and he was pissed off and everyone was worried but we we made my fighting style more grounded and i think it was better for the movie in the oh, end de definitely yeah because i i think with this movie's kind of sensibilities you know but being more grounded and more violent I, I think a more high-flying kind of fighting would be a little incongruous with what this movie was trying to accomplish. So I think, you know, obviously no one wants to be injured that, you know, that's awful, but I mean, I guess in a way it kind of helped the movie a bit, but it sounds like, you know, you needed a lot of rest after this movie. Yeah. I didn't get it. I went and did three more films and then oh, I got the same. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're definitely one of the hardest working guys in action. So, I mean, that's not surprising. <laughs> um yeah sometimes you get injured but my knee was fine after after the surgery right up until his accident man too then i injured it again but i got a good 10 years out of it <laughs> oh <laughs> um well one thing that i've i don't know if this is just my perception you know i i you know i said off mic that you know uh i'm i'm friendly with liam o'donnell uh he we he and i have talked a bit about this you know over the last year or so because he he laments the loss of you know stuff like new image and everything um but i don't know if this is just my perception but it seems like dtv's in a much different place like the action landscape than it was 10 years ago where i'm not sure a, a high concept movie like day of reckoning would have the runway to be made now and and you know maybe i'm wrong um but how do you feel about something like that do you think that there's still opportunities to have you know headier movies like this kind of made within the action landscape or you know particularly dtv or do you think you know it, has that time kind of come and gone i don't think anything like day of reckoning can be made at any point it was like the ugly stepbrother that, that got through <laughs> i think you know it's uh it's not a crowd pleaser it's sort of movie that you watch it and you really appreciate it but you kind of feel like you need a cold shower after it. You know what I mean? It's not something you want to, it's not the most pleasant viewing experience. It's an assault on the senses in the best way possible. But because of that reason, you know, it's like, it, it's very much inspired by apocalypse now, which is a fantastic film, not, not to, you know, put it up with that, but I'm going to anyway. Oh, I would definitely, <laughs> you know, it's like, like Blade Runner is, is a, an amazing film, but I don't want to watch it all the time. No. And no. I think as a, as a DTV movie, people probably want the stuff that is a bit more popcorn and a bit more easily digestible. Um, so in its brilliance is, it's, is also its downfall because it's kind of made for a market that doesn't want that yet. It is that. And it does it brilliantly, but it, it's like it's 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 you know it's Universal Soldier Four. So what is it really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the ugly stepchild, isn't it? Well, and you seem to kind of gravitate to those kind of 
even if they're not high concept, when when you prop them up against other DTV action, you know, and, and you know, and in our community, you know, I don't find DTV to be a dirty word, but I know in like the uh, bigger land film landscape, you know, people treat it, you know, in a certain way, but you know, the action community, action Twitter, whatever you want to call it, I think is like very appreciative of the stuff you make, and and it seems like you gravitate towards things that kind of stand apart from that, you know, not to, you know, denigrate anyone else's work, but, you know, you think of stuff that, you know, up until recently, you know, after we found out, you know, kind of the more tragic details of what was going on, the kind of stuff that you would see Bruce Willis doing and, you know, people would kind of dismiss that and everything. And it, but it seems yeah. like you kind of like, you know, with things like no, Benjamin. I think what it is, Brandon, is that a lot of those DTVs, you can tell that it's sort of a bit of a hack job. Exactly. Yep. Okay, we've got this script. It's not that great, but you know, that's the, they've got money to make it. We've got a director. Let's try and get Bruce Willis or whoever we can get, and they're only going to do it if we pay them more than half the budget, and then um, we've got like a little bit of money left, and we'll just crank the movie out. But we got, you know, we've got the star, so. We're going to sell it, and the buyers will buy it. Uh, and the film, the quality of the film, well, who gives a fuck, man? We're going to make a profit. <laughs> and and that, that is DTV at its worst. And um, although I have done some movies like that, because sometimes you, you've done something to pay the bills. Oh, definitely. I really try my best not to do that, but then sometimes, you know, you turn, projects fall through, You've turned down some bad ones because you want to do a good one. And then eventually um, you've got to pay. You've accidentally spent your VAT. You've got to pay <laughs> it back. And this is the only thing available to do. So, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm not guilty of it. But I do try my best to do something that is a film that can, you know, I want to make the best film that I can make within the budget that I've got. And that's why I, since Accident Man, I've been trying to create my own projects and not be left to the mercies of whoever's going to pay me to do whatever it may be. Um, so I, do, I just try to make good films and I develop stuff. And, uh, you know, Accident Man's a perfect example. The Debt Collectors, Avengement, these are all movies that I was extremely involved in. Um, and I think, yeah, you can see that dedication and you can always feel the ones you're more involved in because, I mean, on top of being, you know, a world-class martial artist i mean i think you're a terrific actor too so you can you, you can just see that there's always something a bit different with a large portion of your body of work than the other stuff that you're seeing you know in the walmart bargain bins you know and and i and i think that your fans really appreciate that too to the point where it's just it's so funny this is something that mike and i talk a lot about it it, it has to be frustrating sometimes when you know you're putting out this these movies that you're that you yourself are so invested in and you, but you've built up this dedicated fan base to the point where they're, you know, they're out they're on Twitter, you know, asking you, you know, where's Boyko, where's this, where's that. But it's like, you know, you, you want to branch out, but it, I guess it's a double-edged sword because you've built up such a dedicated fan base that sometimes they come to expect a certain thing. So I guess that circles all the way back to this movie where, you know, it wasn't something they thought that, you know, it wasn't what they thought they were going into, I guess you would say. But the thing that we, we had a big budget for this. I mean, this Universe Soldier is probably the biggest budget movie. Yeah, it's the biggest budget film I've starred in. I think it was about eight million. 
And wow. I'm sure Dom and Van Damme got a fair bit. But I remember that we had at least six weeks to film it. And, you know, the car chase or the car fight, which I thought was great, the way John wanted to, to make that was like, I don't want a car chase, I want it to be a fight scene with these two cars. And we had um, some great second junior stunt guys coming in to do that and the car roll. And, you know, we had enough time to make the fights good, at least two days for each fight. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't, you know, it was, it was a high-end DTV, Universal Soldier. I wouldn't call it DTV. It was no, made it for a release yeah it definitely got one too for sure yeah uh, i i always that's always one of my biggest regrets is that i never got to see it in the in the theater i would have loved to i have uh i have some friends over in your neck of the woods i forget what, what part of england they're in but they're doing a uh anniversary screening today i think it's actually happening today and it's i want to say yes the one of to go in london yeah, yeah 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 that so that that's just it's been really fun to see this movie's fan base just grow and grow and you know every time i post this is like today's like i countless times i've posted that sporting goods fight and every single time i get a handful of people responding going oh my god i didn't even know that there was another universal soldier and you know it's just so fun to not only see the oh. fan base grow but to get people excited to see that fight scene and be like you don't even that that's not even that's the tip of the iceberg you know you just dive in and and you know but just, it's such a great plot as well Oh, for I mean, sure. That's why it was frustrating to me when I, because I, you know, I'd read these reviews and people, some people just didn't understand the plot. I'm like, come on, what is wrong with you? you just got, <laughs> just got to pay attention. Put the bloody spliff down. Surely you should be watching this. This stoned. The fact that you're watching this guy who is searching for vengeance the whole movie, and then he realised that these memories that he's holding onto are not his, and that they're implanted in his brain by the government. And and by the time you get to the end of the movie, you realise that actually the, the hero that you've been following this whole time, he's the bad guy sent sent by the bad guys to kill the good guys, and he succeeds in his mission. And <laughs> by the end of the movie, you're like, holy shit! I mean, that's a great twist, and I, I don't think people talk about that enough. They they really don't. And uh, I wrote I, I wrote you know not to <laughs> not to pat myself on the back here, but. I wrote a piece about this a few years ago just because I, you know, it's something I've always wanted to talk about. And finally, an outlet gave me the opportunity. And uh, one, one of, that's one of the things I really responded to is that not only it, is it not a happy ending, but it's the, the way the story is told. It, it's I, I've never seen anything like it where it it almost does feel like the the film knows it's a passing of the torch in a in a way because there's a lot of you know and i could be getting way too heady about this maybe uh you, you know but it's something i've always kind of responded to with it is there's the undercurrent of you know these these guys being used and abused you know for years and years pumped in and out by the government and then you know you're meant to take over and lead these guys and you know Luke, you know, is basically like, it's your turn now. And I've always kind of looked at that as, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph both kind of, you know, they're both still working, both doing, you know, cool things and everything. But I've always kind of looked at that as almost a meta commentary on, you know, like our bodies have been so beaten up over the years, used and abused, you know, doing action. It's your turn, Scott, you know, it's your turn to lead it forward. So I've always kind of, again, I don't know if that was the movie's intention, but I've always kind of seen a, a very interesting parallel with, you know their careers as action stars and their careers as military men within the movies and then 
handing it over to you. It's it's such an interesting. I think there's so many layers to this movie, and like you said, the story is just so so smart, and it's just it did, did not get the credit it deserved. Yeah, I like to think, and I know that John doesn't think this, but I like to think John is in John Hyams, not my character. <laughs> I like to think that the Van Damme in my movie, Luke Devereaux, is a clone. Yeah. And that the real one is still out there somewhere. And that that's Universal Soldier 5 waiting to happen. See that, you just led me right into, you know, because I we probably should start wrapping up here so I don't keep you too late, but you just kind of led me into the last thing I wanted to ask you is, I, I'm sure if the opportunity came up, this is a series you'd love to go back to. Is, is that something that's ever been presented as a possibility? Or do you think that, that you know, this might have been the last one? It's never been presented to me. And look, it's not my franchise. It's it's Jean-Claude's franchise. It's Dolph's franchise. I was visiting for one film. Um, I'd love to continue it. I think there's there could be more st interesting stories to tell there with my character and what he gets up to. And that's why I think it'd be cool if that Van Damme's character was a clone. I mean, we know Dolph's was because he's been killed in every one. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, it's not my franchise, so I was lucky to be in it, and it's for other people to decide. I, th I heard they were going to—they were trying to remake it anyway, like they were trying to reboot it. Um, so I think that—I don't think we'll see another one. I, but I if they—if they asked me to, I would say yes. <laughs> and and your your idea that you threw out there a couple minutes ago about Luke, you know, the real Luke being out there, and you know, what's he getting up to with you know John in the world? You, that that's a perfect perfect place to start. And I'm not inherently against remakes. I think there can be a lot of good done with remakes. But the thing is, I, the clones, right? The clones, yeah, they, they're always going to have something a little bit twisted within them. Yeah, they're, they're the same as the other guy, but they're just a little bit broken. Exactly. And um, I'm a, I'm a clone, and I'm I'm the, the whatever version of, of John that was created. I was That's... just the best version so far. But the, if the real Devereaux's out there, I think my character should search to to seek him out. Absolutely. <laughs> I, the longer I live, the more fucked up I get. I reckon. <laughs> and and exactly, that's another thing that's hard to wrap your head around is you know how many Johns were there before this one? You know they they never really make it clear, but that's kind of a. Fucked There's up thing always to think about. another John. That I love that line, but yeah. <laughs> well, this was this was fantastic. Um, I really appreciate you giving me some of your time. I know it's late over there for you, but uh, this was great. I I really really appreciate you giving me your time. No, no, it's good to talk about the film for, after so many years, remembering uh, what we went through to do it. It's good, mate. Yeah, Th thanks, thanks a lot, Brandon. Yeah, this is great meeting you. I I really appreciate it. Thank you again, Scott.
Just 